Take your Bibles this evening, turn to Job chapter number 38. Job and chapter number 38. It's great anticipation that we've been looking forward to this occasion, but I feel like Job that when it finally came, I'm not sure if I'm ready for it, you know, as kind of how I believe it was in the life of Job. Um, and uh, so I've enjoyed, in fact, we've, we'll have some work to do here in these uh, concluding chapters of the book of Job. We're coming upon a two-year venture, I guess it is. We started uh, a couple of years ago and uh, seeing that Job was a man of integrity. The Bible, God declares him so. There's no question about his integrity. Satan did not question his integrity. He acknowledged his um, fear of God, and, but he questioned his motive and said the only reason that he's doing that is for reward. But the book is recorded in our word. I'm thankful for that in God's word for us that we might see, you know, even a man of God like Job is going to have some struggles through life and all of us will. But of course, Job maintained his integrity and and even though he had the struggles, um, it was proven that Job served God for relationship, not for reward. Because when everything was taken away, he still served God. And that's a good thing for us to evaluate. Would you still serve God if everything was taken away? And we certainly shouldn't have reason to because of who God is. All right, so let's look at Job 38. God is answering now. We've listened to the wrangling, to the voices of Job's comforters in Elihu and Job himself. And now it says, then the Lord answered Job. I would imagine we could speak and preach a whole service just on that. Then the Lord answered Job. Notice this, it says, he answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. How many of you right there say, I'm glad that was him and not me. <laughs> Mercy. Here we go. Verse four. <clears throat> Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who hath laid the corner stone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it brake forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof and the thick darkness, a swaddling band for it. And break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors. And said, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked, their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? 
Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. How many of you right there were saying, I'd like for recess? <laughs> but the exam continues. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof? Knowest thou it because thou wast then born or because the number of thy days is great? How old are you? <laughs> How old are you? You've been around here a while. You've seen all this firsthand. There's some sarcasm in here. Some of you are saying, oh yeah, sarcasm. So even God uses sarcasm. Yeah, but his is holy. <laughs> Hast thou entered into the treasures of, treasuries of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of hell, which I reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? Have you seen God's surplus of hell? Where he stockpiles his weaponry? By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of waters, or the way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness, wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth? Hath the rain of Father... Or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of uh, Pleiades and loose the bands or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth uh, Maseroth in, in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? In other words, are you into consolations? Can you control the consolations? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are. Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can say, stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave fast together, wilt thou hunt prey for the lion? Or fill the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait. Will you feed the lions every day? Be careful, careful lest you become their meal. Who provided for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wonder for lack of meat. And then it actually goes on, but we'll stop there because there's a chapter division. But not because the quiz is over. So in our series, I appreciate you standing in honor of God's word here tonight and just listening to these words gives you the impression we don't know anything. So our series has been entitled and is entitled Trust God in the Trial. 
Trust God in the trial. As simplistic as that statement is, I believe it has helped all of us for the last two years just to be mindful to do that, to trust God in the trial. And so tonight I'd like to challenge you with this title. It's sermon number 41 here out of Job 38. In your rightful place before God. In your rightful place before God. How many of you can see up front that God put Job in his place? In your rightful place before God. God's answers are not always our questions. God's answers are not always to our questions. So may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We're going to get right into it here tonight. So I would imagine there'd be many that didn't enjoy science. And then probably quite a few who definitely didn't like a science quiz. I mean, you put those two together, then you've got anxiety. God uh, gave Job in many ways a science quiz. I like what one man said that Job was confronted by God himself and what a confrontation it was. In content as well as timing, it was unlike what Job expected. Listen to this. This is helpful. Nothing was said about Job's suffering. Nothing. In, in, in God's answers to all of Job's questions, to all of his friends' statements, nothing is said by God about the fact that he lost all that he had in his wealth and that he lost his health and that he lost 10 children in a whirlwind that took place at their home. Nothing is said about Job's suffering that does not in any way imply that God does not care about our suffering because he does. But it does not. God does not address his suffering. No discussion is included about the theology of evil or why evil exists upon the earth. That was so much of what they were discussing Job's friends were discussing that and, and uh, the suffering that Job was going through. They said it must be because you have secret sin in, his life, in your life. Job was saying, I'm telling you, there's, I, it's not like I'm sinlessly uh, perfect. I, I have sinned, but there's not gross sin in my life that is ongoing or that I'm hiding from God that, or trying to hide from others. Uh, I don't know why this evil has come on my life, but nothing is said by God about the presence or the reasons of evil. Nothing is said about injustices. And that was so much of what even Job himself was bringing up before God, the injustices. Why am I being treated this way when I've lived for God? And, and so instead of answering questions, God asked them. I think God often does that, doesn't he? Instead of answering our questions, oftentimes what God does is he asked them. And even the fact that he asked questions to us shows us his sovereignty. That he's not the one to be questioned, though I'm thankful that God allows us to come to him with many questions. Aren't you thankful for that here tonight? But how often did Jesus turn the questions of the Sadducees and the Pharisees around on them and ask them questions that they could not answer? So here we have it, Job confronted by God as the interrogator, God, Job was wanting to bring, in essence, God to court. And yet now it is Job that is trying to defend himself. 77 questions. 
77. Um, many ways, unanswerable questions. In fact, as I look through some of these questions, and maybe even as you read, you'd have to say as well, I didn't even understand the question, let alone to know the answer. So I, there were several times, I, I mean, I had commentaries out and trying to figure out, okay, what, wait a minute, God, what, what even are you asking right here? And so um, it's true. I mean, these were some difficult questions, some of them very straightforward. Uh, from everything to consolations to clods, one man said, from beasts to birds, God is asking Job, Job, where were you when I created uh, he said that God's science quiz included questions on cosmology, oceanography, meteorology, astronomy, zoology. It related to the physical world, the oceans, dawn, the depths of the ocean, the width of the earth, light, darkness, atmospheric elements, snow, hell, light, wind, rain, dew, ice, frost, stars, Animals, including these, most of them undomesticated. In fact, I think only horse is the domesticated animal in the, in the group. Lion, raven, mountain goat, deer, wild donkey, wild ox, ostrich, horse, hawk, eagle. Can you give an explanation as to all of that? I'm telling you, as I continued studying this, I began to feel very small, lacking in knowledge, and certainly reminded that I am not in any way in control. I mean, I had a hard time just getting two of the boys to school this morning, let alone trying to control the universe. I had a hard time just getting out of bed this morning. Somebody get an amen right there? Just getting out of bed this morning was a challenge enough, let alone trying to run everything in the universe. I mean, we have a hard time clearing limbs from an ice storm back in October. And, and I'm not sliding what the men are doing, the big trucks and the claw. Doing, I, hey, I'm, ours just got picked up. Man, that's awesome. I'm sorry for yours, Hatton. But I mean, we have a hard time clearing Clearing natural disasters. I mean, we are not in control. I mean, God basically brought to, to Job a living museum of natural history and said, where were you when I made this? And do you know how this works? It shows that our God is creative. And it shows that our God providentially cares for everything in his creation to the minute detail, to the very bird that is despised. I'm talking about God cares about the raven. God cares about the crow and the sparrow that fell to the ground and the bird that I about took out of this world today <laughs> as he crossed too close to the Tacoma truck. About went into eternity. <laughs> Well, what I mean mainly is this. God cares about even birds that are not eternal. It 
showed Job his deficiency of knowledge in the earth's origin and thus disqualified Job from running the universe. But I'm thankful tonight that God has knowledge and control. I, I want to I get that across here tonight. God has both knowledge and control where yours and mine come to an end. God has knowledge. God has control where your knowledge and your control comes to an end. And, and let's just be honest here tonight. In fact, let's just up front get in our place that my knowledge very quickly, it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in school. In fact, if you're really learning, you're learning this. I don't know very much. My knowledge very quickly comes to a short end and my control is rather limited and yet his is not. And so God begins to, to bombard Job with all of these questions and, and he's answering Job. And I noticed, first of all, in verse number one, that he answered Job out of a whirlwind. How significant. I mean, um, Eliphaz, Elihu rather, I'm sorry, Elihu has just talked about the storms that come to our lives and how that we're not in control. And there's nothing like a good old fashioned Oklahoma storm that'll make you realize you're not in control here and you better seek shelter fast. That'll make you feel vulnerable in this world. And, and, and so Elihu has just talked about a storm. In fact, some say maybe even these dark thunderbolts, these dark uh, clouds, thunder clouds were gathering on the horizon. I don't know, but here we have God speaking out of the whirlwind. How significant it is that God spoke to Job out of that even which took his own children's life. Isn't that significant? That here it was, a whirlwind back in chapter number one and, 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 and talked about in chapter two that, that took his children's life. But, and, but it was a whirlwind that God spoke to him. Warren Wiersbe said, we prefer that God speaks to us in the sunshine, but sometimes he must speak to us out of the storm. I like it when God speaks to me on sunshiny days. <laughs> but honestly, folks, I think you would, would, would agree with this statement that I and you tend to learn a lot more out of the storms than we do out of the sunshiny days. I forget about the sunshine days, but I remember those days when the storm clouds rolled in. God speaks. I'm thankful, though, that, that even though the storms may destroy, that in them, God's people often hear his voice. It was when, when Elijah was there and he heard God speak in that still small voice, but all that was going on around him and, and others even that, that were in the midst of life storms. And, and I'm saying to you tonight, if you are in some way in the midst of a life storm, then listen closely. God is speaking. God confronted the Lord. In fact, if you look at verse number two again, I'm sorry, verse one, it says the Lord, that's Jehovah. That's all caps there. That's Lord. You see that? That's the personal God of, of Israel. That's the, the God who is personal with you as well, by the way. It says the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, Job, you don't really know what you're talking about. You don't really know what you're talking about, and yet you're still talking. How many times are we like that? We don't know what we're talking about, and yet we're still talking. 
God knew Job's character. God knew that Job didn't have to defend himself. God knew that Job just needed to trust the Lord, but God knew that he was having a hard time through all that. And I'm thankful that God is merciful to us. And so even though God comes across firm here, please don't think that God is coming across unloving because his love doesn't vary, doesn't change. And, and yet Job needed to be put in his place because really Job had made claims about God that he could not substantiate. He could not prove uh, about God. And, and we need to be careful, like the song uh, ministered to us in the first song that we heard, that we, we need to be careful that in our times of pain, because there's times when we may misunderstand some things about God and misrepresent God and, and get things in our minds about God due to the pain and the suffering that we're going through, or our family's going through, and we wonder things about God that just are not true. And I'm thankful for every time that God has put me in my place. And that's what God is doing here. He's, he's speaking to Job and he says, Job, gird up your loins. In other words, uh, this is not going to be an easy test. And girding up your loins means that you've got some strenuous work to do. And so he says, gird up your loins. Let me talk to you like a man. Let me encourage you tonight. Put yourself in Job's place. Put yourself in Job's place. And let God ask you some questions here tonight. There's an arrangement to all this. It's really quite beautiful how that it is arranged. He begins to speak about creation, which by the way, one thing I want to note up front here is this is a book of poetry. Uh, Brother Patterson, Chuck Patterson teaches uh, our poetical books at Heartland. And, and so this fits in that, that, that literature of the Bible, that literary type of the Bible uh, as poetry. And so when he talks about laying the foundations of the earth, it does not mean that God consulted an architectural firm and then hired some crew that laid the cornerstone. It's very figurative in saying basically this, where were you when I spoke the world into existence? Because we know that God spoke this world and the universe into existence in six literal 24-hour days just like that, because that's what, what God did as he spoke the world into existence. So he's using some figurative language here along the way to ask some questions of Job. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And did you, uh, did you measure out how big it should be? Did you measure out his, okay, there's sarcasm there. Come on now, it's right, it's built up right in here. And so did you measure how big this was supposed to be? Was this your idea? Were you the one that came up with this? The, the idea, I'm going to tell you up front, the thing that, that God is getting across to Job is this. Job, listen, if you are not part of its creation, what makes you think that you can question me in the way that I run the universe? It's a good question for us to consider tonight. Unless you, hang on, wait a minute, let, let me say it this way. Unless you are eternal, you're a latecomer. We're latecomers. Now, we, we live many years after Job lived. We've, we've advanced in technology. God here in a moment is going to ask Job about the depths of the sea. And I read today about uh, just off the, the Philippine Islands and near Guam, there's uh, the Mariana Trench. And, it, and it's, listen, friend, it's deep. It's deep. I don't know that firsthand. I know that by what I read. Nearly seven miles deep. That's deep. Seven miles deep. Mercy sakes alive. 
And God is asking Job, Job, have you been to the depths of the sea? Have you explored there? Do you realize tonight there are parts of our earth that even man in all of his exploration and all of his efforts that they have still not seen? And yet our God created it all. Did you lay out its dimensions? Uh, did you, were you part of its construction? In verse number seven, he's talking about the, the angelic beings singing and, and the jubilation that took place at creation. Basically, he's asking Job this sarcastically, Job, were you part of that, that ribbon cutting ceremony? Were you there when, when creation came into being and there was celebration? Were you there, Job? Do you really understand? And if you, if you don't understand how things were made, then what makes you think you can understand what's going on right now in your life? You were not present at creation and thus you are not qualified to run the universe. God is putting Job in his place. Were you there when the waters were born? He uses a uh, figurative language about the birth uh, of the oceans and of the sea as, as though an analogy, look at verse number eight again, as, as he says there, who shut up the sea with the doors and when it break forth as it had issued out of the womb. In other words, uh, when the oceans were born, and we know, we know that God spoke the oceans into existence. Everybody know, understands that. But what he's doing here is saying, were you there at the birth of the ocean? Look at verse number nine. This is interesting. When I made the cloud a garment thereof and thick cloud darkness a swaddling band. You know what he's saying right there? Were you there when I wrapped the ocean? Now, some of you as men and you've, you've had children born into your home and your wife, I guarantee you, she wraps that baby a lot better than what you did. Isn't that right? You, you try that burrito wrap. That's what I call it. I don't know if that's the official baby terminology or not, but try to wrap that baby in that burrito, you know, and, and our, when I wrapped them, they were always coming out pretty quick, right? God is saying to Job, Job, were you there when I wrapped the oceans in, in, and enveloped it in darkness and, and wrapped it as though with a swaddling cloth? No. That'd be the right answer. Were you there in verse 10 and 11? Uh, do you have anything to do with how far the water can come upon the earth? In verse 10, in fact, it's, it's kind of interesting when he talks about gates and, and uh, lest it break forth, the decreed place, uh, setting the bars thereof. In other words, it's like this. It's saying, and again, the analogy is the ocean being like a baby born that's wrapped in swaddling clothes, but then also it's placed in a playpen. Did you set the boundaries of the playpen? Can you control? And I think about man with all of his advances, with the ability to make levees and, and, and to do dams and all those things. And yet, how many times has the water overcome what man has set? But listen, friend, it will not overcome what God has set. And so God is saying to Job, Job, uh, were you there when I set the boundaries of how far the water can come? Look at verse number 12. He begins to ask Job, are you responsible for any start of the day? Verse number 12, he says, uh, hast thou commanded the morning since thy days? Uh, the word since thy days there means this. In all of your born days, Job, in all of your, you ever say that? In all of your, well, in all of my born days. How many of you have heard that terminology? And that's what God is saying to Job. Job, in all, in all of your born days, was there ever a day, Job, when you said to the son, Get up! It's time to get started. I said get up to two sons this morning, but not that kind of son. Get up! 
At what time did you lay a charge on, on the sun and tell it to get up? In fact, if it was up to us, I guarantee you what we would have done this morning. Hang on. Don't go anywhere. Right? So God says to Job, in all of your born days, at what point did you control the sun? At what point did you cause the darkness to be, to be gone? In fact, he refers there also in verse uh, number 13 that the wicked might be shaken out of it. In other words, he's saying this, when did you make the bad guys leave because the sun came up? You see what he's saying there? When did you make the criminals leave? They, they generally, and we're living in a day and time when it broad daylight people are doing crime. But typically, good bad guys just steal stuff at night. Sarcasm. Okay, anyways. Job, are you in control of the light? Job, are you in control of the darkness? Job, uh, do you, in the morning times when it's dark, I, I remember, you know, times when I've been out hunting it's, and you go in there when it's dark, you know, and, and, then, and then the light starts to come, and every, but everything seems like it's moving just, you know, just while it's still kind of dark and you like, oh, oh, right there, there's a big deer and then it's a big old log. Because the light came and then you saw all the colors and all the brilliancy of the, of the earth. And, and that's largely what I think is taking place in, in verse number 14. And as he's talking about the dawn and the garment, it says, he's, I, the idea is figurative language again. He's saying, listen, from darkness to light, you don't realize just how brilliant it is and how beautiful it is, but I do. He breaks the high arm of the wicked. Again, I think that's a reference to violence in verse number 15. Are we doing all right here? I'm moving pretty quick because we're covering the chapter. I wish we could park on every one of these and fully explain them, but I, I think you're getting the, and I don't think, I, I think the main thing we're supposed to get this is that we don't get it all. And Job can't understand nor control things that he can see in creation, let alone things he can't see. So in verses 16 through 18, that's where God says to Job, Job, uh, did you, uh, do you know about the springs and how I fill all the water places? You see that? Well, maybe you fill the bathtub, maybe you fill the baptistry, maybe you fill a pool, but who's responsible for filling the oceans? In fact, uh, as I was pastor at Meadowview Baptist Church, one time I, over, I overfilled the baptistry. That's not a good thing. Are you responsible for the depths of the oceans and the depths of the sea and the depths of Lake Eufaula and all the other lakes here in Oklahoma? Are you responsible for any of those things? Do you gauge that? Do you control that? You say, well, there's a measure in which man does only what God's allowed him to. That deep part of the earth that I was telling you about, 35,814 feet deep. In fact, the Titanic uh, was, just, was found at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, 2.54 miles down. The Challenger Deep there just off that coast is, is 6.78 miles deep. I read about uh, engineers that, that constructed the means by which they were able to go down to see how far it went with five-inch thick steel walls. You know why? Because man can't handle pressure. But God knows what's in the bottoms of the sea. And, and so there they were there. It took five hours to get down there in 1960. And others, two other in, uh, groups have gone down that deep. And in fact, not too long ago, one found a plastic bag down that deep and a candy wrapper that deep. That's what man's done. Walmart bags, friends, are tough. 
2019, another man did a, a deep sea ex exhibition that, that was uh, really historic off the coast of Norway, if I remember that. And there's 500 hours of film, if you really want to see. Seeing what? Just the bottom of the sea. God says to Job, Job, are you in control of all this? You haven't even seen it all. You can't control what you can see. What makes you think you can control what you don't see? The gates of death are mentioned in verse 17. The broad expanses of the earth are mentioned in verse 18. And then in verse 19, it gets figurative as well again and, and, and very... Uh, candid with Job and says, have you ever tried to follow light to see where it lives? Verse 17. Do you know the apartment where darkness lives when it's gone? Do you hear what he's saying there? Have you ever tried to say, well, I'm going to try to follow light where it goes and you keep running. You're not going to make it. Darkness will overtake you. In other words, he's saying, Job, there's no way that you can understand all this. Are you old enough? I love verse 21. That's one of my favorite verses as I studied it out. Uh, are you old enough to have been here long enough to understand really what's going on? Were you around when all this happened? Were you born at that time? Because you really only understand something if you were there when it happened. Everybody get that? Hang on. Can we camp there for just a split second? You really only understand something if you were there when it happened. Now, every now and then somebody will come visit uh, Southwest Baptist Church and, and it'll be somebody that was here way before my time. You know, but people that were around here understand what it was like because they were there at that time where you follow me. If you uh, uh, quiz some people, in fact, it came back to my mind. I don't know that I've got all the details right, but I remember Coach Mike Thomas telling me that he remembered the assassination of JFK, of, of John F. Kennedy, because he was there on that, on that street when it happened. He was 10 years old, if I remember the story right, and somebody might be able to help me with that, but, but he says, I remember, and they weren't too far from the infamous Grassy Knoll. Listen, I'm telling you, that individual, he knew what happened there because he was there when it happened. Well, he doesn't understand all that happened there. Those that were here in 1995 understood what happened, even maybe in the building that, that you were in when it shook at the, at the bombing at the, Mor the Mora building. And, and others could talk about 9-11 and so forth. And even on a lighter note, sometimes I, I'll show my boys uh, some, some video uh, clips of Walter Payton with the Bears. Back when I jumped on that bandwagon back in the 1980s. But man, what, what energy and what moves and what ability and what agility and, and, and how that he could just uh, take off with, and, and just with speed and all the things there. But, but it was different when you were watching it happen because you were there. You saw it firsthand. It's interesting to me that so-called scientists who say that science is supposed to be that of observable data, make audacious claims about the beginning of the world and the presence of man on this earth to say that he evolved over millions of years and yet ah, that is not observable data. Well, I wonder if anybody was there when the earth began. And I wonder if anybody was there when man came into existence. Yes, and he gave us his word. 
Job, are you able to control the weather? I'm telling you, listen, friend, there was no break in this test. There was no, okay, rest for about 10 minutes. No, it just kept coming at him. Are you able to control? And do you know where the stockpiles of snow are and the stockpiles of hail and, and how that God even in verse 23 talks about how that he uses hail even as weaponry. And, and certainly he did that, didn't he, in Egypt and, and then with uh, Joshua and the battle as, as they were taking the land. And even, you know, I saw a reference to Revelation 16. And if you do the study there in the tribute tribulation period, the tribulation time, hell will fall upon the earth that weighs a talent. And I didn't understand how much a talent is until you do the math on it. It's about a hundred pounds. Mercy. You think about baseball size hell, softball size hell, 100 pound hell. Our God is able. Do you know what direction the lightning will go when it, when it begins? Do you know where the wind is going to go? Do you know what gorge is going to be formed because of the downpour of torrential rain? Do you know how to call into existence the next thunderstorm? Do you know how to take charge of the rain? Do you know where the rain comes from? Are you the daddy of the rain? Are you the daddy of the dewdrops? Did you give birth to the, to the ice or the hoarfrost that is there upon the earth? How about outer space since you're not doing too good down here? How do you have control or do you have control of Pleiades and Orion and uh, Orion rather, I'm sorry, Orion and, and the bear, the constellation? Do you, do you have control of these things, Job? Okay. How about the irrigation department then? Do you supervise the clouds? Clouds is lightning on your payroll. Verse 35, sorry, I enjoyed that all by myself. But 30, 35, he says, Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say to thee, Here we are. Reporting for duty, sir. No, I'm telling you, you don't have any control over the lightning. Can you irrigate the earth, even the places that, that will never see a human being, and yet God takes care of its rain? Or do you need to be there to turn the sprinkler system on? How do you know to keep things water so the earth itself doesn't become just a heap of dry clods? And if that wasn't enough, God shifted right into the animal kingdom. Verse 39, he says to Job, Wilt thou hunt, pray for the lion? Job, while you're at it, since you're trying to run everything here, would you take care of feeding the lions? They like meat and a lot of it. Can you take care of, and don't forget the ravens, you got to feed them as well. And listen, I hope it's not coming across wrong tonight. God was not being cruel to Job, but God was making abundantly clear to Job, Job, you don't understand everything and you're not in control of everything. And so when you don't understand and you're not in control, there's really only one thing for you to do, and that's trust the one who knows everything and trust the one who's in control of everything in your moments of despair. God's examination here of Job put him in his place because God certainly demonstrated Job's lack of knowledge and Job's lack of control. We're no different. If you leave here tonight with a sense of pride and self-sufficiency, 
you fell asleep during the message. Isn't it amazing that we struggle to get things done and yet we want control? I believe what this text and what we're about to wade further into is designed by God in the life of this man, Job, to create in him what it did, a genuine sense of humility. That is so lacking in our time and oftentimes in our lives. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said this, knowledge of our own ignorance is the first step towards true wisdom. Knowledge of our own ignorance in saying, God, I, I, I don't know. That's a wise statement. I don't know. The longer um, I go through life, the more I realize just how much, or I begin to understand how much I need God's help. You know what I mean? God has knowledge and control where ours comes to an end. I said at the beginning of the message, this statement, <clears throat> God's answers are not always our questions. God didn't answer Job's questions. This side, God may not answer all your questions. There's things to this day that I, humanly speaking, do not understand, and I'm sure you could add to that list. Why a child passes away, why a, um, a wife, a missionary that's serving God has cancer. Um, and on and on we could add really to that list. But, and, and God answers man. He answers man, but he doesn't always answer man's questions. He doesn't have to since he's sovereign. Elizabeth Elliot's husband died in Ecuador in 1956. Many of you know the story of Jim Elliot and the four other missionaries that gave their life trying to get the gospel uh, to those Alca Indians that lived there in Ecuador, the Iodani. She said this, God did not answer the questions of Job, but he answered the man. And here's how he answered the man. This is what she said. I thought it was very helpful. God answered Job with the mystery of himself. And basically communicating to Job, Job, I'm sufficient for you. And I thought about it. Isn't there times that a father or mother, but let me just say a father, what the father does is not always understood by the child. Isn't that true? You don't always understand reasons why. And it even earthly fathers have a reason, typically. Now, I would confess... On behalf of all of us as fathers, or sometimes I have no clue what I'm doing. 
But generally speaking, if I'm making a decision, I've thought it through and I've got a reason for it. Even though my sons may not understand it, you see. Well, if I'm that way as an earthly father, how much more so is our Heavenly Father who always has a purpose and a plan in everything that He does. And even though I don't understand it, I can't understand it, and I may never this side of heaven ever understand it, I can't understand this one thing. He is my loving Heavenly Father and He does care for me and He understands and so I'm going to trust Him when I lack knowledge and when I lack control. And there are ways tonight, no doubt, that you lack knowledge and you lack control. It may be that you're trying to make a decision and you don't know what to do. And I shared with someone today, we had a, had a good lunch just thinking about God's will. And one of the verses that's been a real help to me is out of Psalm 25 and verse number 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Sometimes the only thing that you, you can and should do is you say, God, I want to honor you and I trust you and, and I, I want to fear you and I, I want to respect you. And what man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. And teaching takes time and patience on the part of the teacher as well as on the learner. And so if you're in a situation where you're trying to make a sense of what's going on or maybe make a big life decision, here's what to do. Just say, God, I know I can trust you. And that in your time and in your way, you'll make things plain to me and I'm going to trust and move accordingly. I think it's good for us to be reminded, I don't know everything and I'm certainly not in control. So God, I'm going to trust you. Would you stand together here tonight? Your knowledge, your control has limits. And thus we've got to get in our place of humility. Dear God, tonight, I, I praise you and thank you that you have no boundary to your knowledge. You truly are omniscient and you truly are omnipotent, all-powerful in all of your ways. I praise you for that, dear God. Lord, we're so limited. And I just pray that you'd help us to trust you, dear Lord, and, and to humble ourselves before you. And even as we continue on in this time of questioning that you brought to the life of Job, Lord, help us to personalize it and just to be reminded of how great you are and how much we lack greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're singing tonight, page 483, uh, the Lord has spoke to your heart. Would you respond?